Hold up. Cut it. Things have changed since I was gone, and we're going to start fresh. What you're going to listen to is one of the most unique episodes as we went through the multiverse of the podcast world, or as we call it, the podverse. The forbidden door has opened, and there's no limits. Abud, this is for you. And welcome to Films Unchained with a brand new intro from the Good Times with Bad Movies podcast. Enjoy. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. Welcome to the brand new season of Films Unchained Podcast, the place for breakdowns, movie analysis, and film talks. A new year, a new season, which also means new episodes coming up. It's so good to be back podcasting once again and great to sit down with the mic on in front of me. The break was definitely needed and worthwhile to be back in Canada, spend time with family and friends, and watch more movies, especially with today's film to talk about, Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, come on. We have to talk about this film. Yes, like we have to. I mean, it is the greatest movie of 2021. And if I don't talk about it, then what's the point? Like, come on. Anyways, like I'm going to spoil the hell out of this film. If you don't like it, then the movie stars Tom Holland, Benedict Cumberbatch, Zendaya, Jacob Batal, and what else? Oh yeah, Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe, Andrew Garfield, and Toby freaking Maguire. I know there's more names, but I can't name them all at the moment because I'm still, I'm still in that whole experience in the theater. Who wouldn't though? Like I said, it is the biggest movie of 2021 and one of the biggest movies of all time, joining the Avengers franchise. A lot of anticipation and excitement when the first trailer was released the summer of 2021. The second we saw Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus for the first time since Spider-Man 2, I couldn't believe it. Spider-Man 2 was the best Spider-Man movie for me. One of my favorite uh, superhero movies of all time. I couldn't believe it. I was like, no way, no pun intended. But the minute the clip was shown when Doc Ock says, you're not Peter, we knew we we're going to see all of the Spider-Man. We did not know what to expect in this film. And after watching it in the IMAX theater with my brothers and my good friend, it exceeded every single expectations we all had. It was full of emotions and surprises. For me, seeing all of us and especially like watching uh, Spider-Man in different generations, it was a unique experience. Like we grew up watching Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and now Tom Holland. It really... Okay, so when we see them, we tell them that Scooby-Doo did really great with millennials. And that scarf doesn't look stupid at all, and... Huh? What happened? Where the hell are we? Who the hell is this? This is Doctor Strange and his sidekick, Benedict Wong. Really? No! It's Tim and Paul from Good Times with Bad Movies. Who are you? I'm Ace of the Films Unchained podcast, you know, a place of breakdowns, movie analysis, and film talks. But that's not the point. What are you guys doing here? We definitely didn't get that portal spell right. What's going on right now? We're not too sure, but we think Spider-Man No Way Home's release has something to do with it. I'm sorry, what? No Way Home's levels of nostalgia, heartwarming story, and insane effects are so epic that the gravity of it all is pulling the indie podcast worlds together. If we don't do something to stop it soon, 
all worlds will collide and the podcast multiverse as we know it will cease to exist. So how do we stop it? Yeah, not so fast, Maze. We kinda don't need your help. It's Ace. Yeah, once we get this portal spell right, we're headed to see Kevin Feige, and we're gonna convince him to cast Freddie Prince Jr. as the next Iron Man. Yeah, not gonna lie, guys, that sounds really dumb. It's so dumb, a couple of geniuses would think of it. Once Kevin Feige casts our boy FPJ as Iron Man, it will create a Marvel movie so pointless and boring that our world will stabilize again. That's actually not a bad idea. It's our only hope. Stand back, Mace. We're about to Scooby-Doo this shit. It's Ace. Later, Jason. What was that? I hope this won't happen again. Anyways, we're back to normal. We've got plenty to talk about for Spider-Man No Way Home with the villains, the iconic moments and comments on the film. But I want to present a very short interview I had with a Spider-Man fan and someone who is super dear to me. This episode features my youngest brother, Abdullah, also known as Buddy, also known as the Turtle King, his nickname, not mine. This was his first time going to the cinema and No Way Home was the perfect movie for him. Except the fact he had to wear a mask inside the theater throughout because of COVID protocols, but it didn't stop him from watching it. Since then, we just brought up the movie and decided to watch the classic Toby and Andrew Spider-Man films. We were able to watch MCU movies from Doctor Strange until now so he can be ready for this. And also, after watching the movie, he started watching like the, the classic Spider-Man cartoons, like the 1994 version, and even Spider-Man Unlimited. Like he started to adore or watch and even play Spider-Man. As a big brother, the best thing that I did in 2021 was staking Buddy to the movies and being with him, especially witnessing his experience with Spider-Man No Way Home. So... Anyways, let's get to it with the short interview of the Turtle King, my buddy, Abdullah. So right here, we're welcoming our special guest, my brother, Abdullah, a.k.a. Buddy, a.k.a. Turtle King. Why do you call yourself the Turtle King? Because I like turtles, and they're cute, and I'm the king. Turtles are not even cute! Yes, they are! When they roll on their back, they're cute. <laughs> uh, I guess so. So, this is the first time you're coming to Films Unchained, and um, you keep telling me to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, and, and this was the first movie you watched in theater, right? Yeah, the movie was good, but the seating was bad because I couldn't stretch my legs. My legs were numb by that point. You're not supposed to stretch your legs in the theater. You should know that by now, especially when you're watching Spider-Man. You're watching Spider-Man No Way Home. You're going to expect a lot of people watching the movie as well. Yeah, but I couldn't see the person in front of me. You're not supposed to look at the people in front of you. You're supposed to look at the big screen, man. Yeah, I know. I looked at the movie. That's the point of going to the movies. Not looking at the person right in front of you. That is the weirdest thing you'd ever say. But you want to talk about people, you've noticed people wearing the Spider-Man masks, t-shirts, hoodies, where you're like, oh my god, they're wearing Spider-Man masks, and they're like older people, younger people, like all ages, right? Yeah. Didn't you have a Spider-Man mask? Uh, yeah. Why didn't you bring it? I did. No, not the, uh, like the uh, COVID mask, like like the full Spider-Man mask. 
I didn't have that. You don't have that? Oh no, we have Deadpool mask. Okay, so let me ask you this. So in the movie, did you think Peter was trying to do the right thing to help the villains to become good people? Or was Doctor Strange right? Uh, Peter was right. Why? Because if you help people, it would be good for safety. For safety? I you mean, mean, you mean for the good? Yeah, I meant that. <laughs> safety. Yeah, I'm trying to save people for safety. What is <laughs> it? <laughs> okay. Out of all the villains, who scared you the most? Uh, nobody. Really? Yeah, not that kind of person. But the thing that made me the loudest was when the cops surrounded the house. That made me like, oh, I cringed. You cringed, huh? So you're saying that Green Goblin was not scary? Well, Green Goblin was kind of cool with the thing, but... Well, I'll have to give you that. Green Goblin was kind of cool. Well, not kind of. He was cool. Who was your favorite villain? Sandman and Green Goblin. Oh, and Octopus. Dr. Octopus. Okay. You know, it's very odd that he mentioned Sandman. I didn't really look at him as a villain, but that's a different conversation. So... No, he is a villain. Well, you watched Spider-Man 3. He didn't want to be the Sandman, and... You just have to keep going with it, though. Did he kill people, though? Uh, I forgot in that... I don't think so. The... Exactly. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Well. You remember the scene where everyone was clapping and shouting when the two Spider-Men came? Yeah, I was kind of clapping at that point. I was kind of happy as well. Who was the, who was the best one? Was it um, Peter dressed as Spider-Man or Peter dressed as, you know, Peter? So I like the third Spider-Man. The third Spider-Man. Um, um, the guy who came in as just Peter Parker, like no spider costume? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So he's a Tobey Maguire. He is a Tobey Maguire guy. Are you a Tobey Maguire guy? I mean... Of course I'm a Tobey Maguire guy. Buddy, I watched Spider-Man when I was younger than you. And Tobey Maguire was the guy. Please don't do that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, what was the what was the scene or part in the movie that he did not like? The one when they surrounded Peter Parker's house. So he did not like that part. Yeah. But not Aunt May's. You know, never mind. I can't believe I thought that was a weird part. Okay, what was the funny part in the movie? The funniest part when I didn't laugh? That makes no sense, bro. Okay, I don't know. I never, ever saw it. So you're saying that you did not laugh? Yeah, I did not laugh. I don't think I did. Did I? <laughs> I'm not so sure if I have any other questions for you, but um, what would you give the movie out of? Out of 10? One million. <laughs> That's a great answer. Buddy, thank you for coming. Let's take a quick break for one million hours. Oh, God, no, no! <laughs> All right, so that was a nice interview with my brother. Now let's move on to the breakdown of the film itself with... Norman, can you hear me, Norman? What just happened? Who did this? <laughs> what the hell? Anyway, so the film brought the main villains of the first five Spider-Man movies. You got from Toby's movies, Dr. Octopus, Green Goblin, and Sandman. 
Then you got from Andrew's movies, The Lizard and Electro. New Goblin is not in it because, well, you know, the whole James Franco situation. So, yeah. Uh, as for Topher Grace's Venom, we got Tom Hardy, the way better version of the character. I always root for Dr. Octopus in the film because he's not really a bad guy. He's just obsessed with the power of the sun in the palm of his hands. Plus, he got the bots to control him and disturb his mind with the whole malfunction uh, in his uh, lab experiments. That's why all he needed was the infinite chip to be better or cured, as Peter says. The whole thing of the cure was weird. Not gonna lie, Peter trying to cure them led to losing Aunt May, but I understood his intentions with the story and character development, also bringing up the whole uh, how uh, one person can make a difference. And whole uh, with great power comes with great comes with great responsibility. Thank goodness they actually brought this quote again. But here's the question: When the villains were sent back to their universe at the end, are they still cured, or will they end up how they did in previous films? Because if it's the second option, then Tom Holland Peter wasted his entire time of helping them and should have listened to Doctor Strange. Speaking of which, Doctor Strange was the moderator in the MCU, or the voice of reason in the film. He never says anything wrong and doesn't take sides. What happens happens and does not change the fate of others. Oh, why hello there. Welcome to the Multiverse of Podcasting. Uh, my name is David Ingram, and I'm the host of Take 97, a film podcast. And it looks like, according to the guy in the fancy magic cloak coming through the orange portly thing, uh, that I am going to be the host of Films Unchained podcast, or at least this segment of it. <laughs> no, seriously, guys, I'm David Ingram, and as I just said, the host of a fellow podcast that has collaborated with Ace on many occasions, uh, talking about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and also A Clockwork Orange on a two-part pod series, as well as Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Please check those episodes out if you haven't already, and keep your ears and eyes peeled for any announcements about any future work that me and Ace might have coming up, because we might do, you never know, so keep your eyes out. But for now, let's talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. As a Spider-Man fan myself, like many people, it's a bit cliche to say these days because everybody seems to like it, but from this point onwards, I'm going to express my full love for the film and that includes spoilers. So, spoiler alert ahead, you have been warned. Uh, I am very much a fan of this film, No Way Home. I love Tom Holland's version of Peter Parker's Spider-Man, and one thing that stands out to me about this film is that the relationship between Ned, Peter, and MJ. As a trio, I truly love them. They are an amazing trio, and I feel like whilst we get to see Ned and Peter from the beginning, from Homecoming through Far From Home to No Way Home. I feel MJ's a little bit undersold. Like, we get to see a little bit of what she's about in Homecoming, and, you know, she's not traditionally in the front center space as the love interest. We get that from Liz. But then, at the same time, I feel like, you know, we just get to know her properly, and her and Pete's relationship blossoms in the second film. I, I, I get that the character development's there, and it's really good, um, but I, at the end of the day, I feel like that winning relationship between the three of them is so good in this film and we get to see such a great dynamic between these three teenage kids who are just 
living their best life, being superheroes in their own right, uh, especially for Ned, because <laughs> I love particularly one highlight is when uh, in the middle of the battle of everything towards the end of the film, we get to see Ned with Doctor Strange's cape. I just, uh, cloak, I just absolutely love it. It's the most funniest moment, and Ned harnessing his powers as a potential sorcerer, uh, who knows where that might go. He may even appear in future films and discover his powers related to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in the sequel to the original Doctor Strange film, who knows, uh, but I love that little nod there that there's more to Ned than meets the eye and the little joke that he won't stab Peter in the back and become an enemy of Peter. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, other things that stand out to me, the amount of villains that we get to see, classic villains played by the original actors, you know, we get Sandman, uh, Green Goblin, so Willem Dafoe back in the role, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock or Dr. Otto Octavius. Uh, no, seriously, what's your real name? <laughs> and then, you know, the likes of Kurt Connors and all the other classic villains, Electro as well from the Amazing Spider-Man universe, so a mixture of things from the Rami universe and the Amazing Spider-Man universe put together in this one big cascade of mentalness, all because Peter wants to save his friends, you know, potential futures and make their lives easier by not ruining it by everyone knowing he's Spider-Man. So, I, I, you know, I love the romance between MJ and Peter. It's a real sweet one. And when we get to the end of the film, it's very emotional, very bittersweet ending, I feel. Uh, but for me, one personal highlight, and I absolutely love this, and everybody's going to say it, is the three Spider-Men. That's all I have to say. The three Spider-Men are the things that I love about this the most. And the way, I think... Because if you met another version of yourself from another dimension and you were the same but slightly different, you would realistically want to ask silly little questions like, what's this like? You know, we're comparing. Like People think that that might have been a waste of time, potentially. But at the same time, it, I don't know, it makes it more real. It brings the whole comic book nature of this to a new level. Yes, it's fantastical that we have three versions of the same character played by three different actors coming together in a weird universe but like you actually would believe that they would come together and ask those sorts of questions and I love the dynamic I think Andrew is amazing Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man really comes into his own and it really makes everybody now appreciate how good an actor and how good a Spider-Man he actually is and was and always will be Tom Holland at the moment is my favorite Spider-Man uh, next to Tobey Maguire because Tobey Maguire I grew up with Tobey Maguire and I feel like the little comedic moments here and there were amazing and for me at the end the ultimate scene at the end with the battle was completely out of the park there it was amazing I cannot believe how just standout that was for me as a Spider-Man fan and the moment that Andrew and Tobey come through their respective portals before they try and help MJ and Ned find their Peter so, you know, I'm going to be doing another episode based entirely on Spider-Man No Way Home, and that is my piece for this today. I'm going to leave you with Ace. Hopefully the mic goes back to him through the multiversal portal, I hope, uh, and I'll leave you with Ace for now. But for Tate 97 fans, please stay tuned. There are episodes coming, or have come, depending on when you're listening to this, and we will be doing a breakdown of Spider-Man No Way Home for just my personal opinion, and there'll be a lot more to come. So, thank you very much for listening to me, guys, and uh, back to Ace. I'm going to just give this thing back through this shiny yellow portal thing right now. Okay. What? Yeah. All right. Never mind.
the grand scene. We have to talk about the moments. We really need to talk about this iconic moments. When Ned tried to look for Peter Parker, we got to see Andrew Garfield as the amazing Spider-Man again. I remember the excitement of the crowd when he first appeared for the first time since The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And then when Ned used uh, Doctor Strange's sling ring to look for Peter Parker again, we got to see Tobey Maguire once again as Peter Parker since Spider-Man 3. I screamed at the top of my lungs with many, many, many people. We couldn't believe this was real. And what I also noticed that I hear Andrew Garfield's appearance uh, with a lot more reaction than Toby's appearance. What's amazing is that all three Spider-Men are in different era. I mean, I have three brothers and with my good friend, the film brought different eras of Spider-Man together to watch all three team up to fight together against the unstoppable villains. That moment, especially when all three Peters teamed up and web swing together was a dream come true. But also notice the tiny thing. Andrew Garfield showed up as Spider-Man, whereas Tobey Maguire showed up as Peter Parker. Some say it's a way of saying that uh, each portrayed the best version of the character by comparing the two. Uh, my two brothers say that Andrew was the best Spider-Man and many, especially online, many people say that Toby was the better Peter. Especially in the end credits, uh, each Peter has their mask colored, except with Andrew's mask incomplete. It gives us a sense that Garfield's Spider-Man is far from over, especially with this movie showing that we're going to see him again in the future. Who knows, it's going to be with Venom or Miles Morales as a new Spider-Man. Uh, it could give us the amazing Spider-Man 3. And I'm happy that like Andrew Garfield got like a sense of closure after the whole Amazing Spider-Man 2, especially when he saved uh, MJ, uh, trying to correct his mistake from uh, failing to save Gwen. So it's a very unique experience. And that scene, the, the reaction was similar to, if not close to, the Avengers Endgame, uh, when everyone appeared to fight Thanos and like the rest of his crew. Hey guys, it's Paul from Good Times Bad Movies here. Just uh, sneaking in mid-episode. You know, Ace thinks he's actually still blabbering on, but you know, since I've, I've discovered these newfound powers, uh, you know, in the biz, I put him in what we call a quantum loop. So right now, he's just talking away, thinking he's just hammering on with this episode. But in reality, he's just doing about a 40 second loop constantly back and forth here. I mean, I just couldn't take it anymore. I was just talking about Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire was, was, the, was the worst Peter Parker. He sucked. In the third movie, he's dancing down the street, scatting and eating cookies while this girl is just getting off on it. The whole thing was ridiculous. And Eric Foreman is Venom. This is the worst Spider-Man movie ever, honestly. I, like, I, it just, I, I, you know, Doc Ock is is a really classic villain, really cool. Um, but I, there was something about those Andrew Garfield movies that I really enjoyed. The second one, you know, wasn't that good. Obviously, that was the one that just tanked that whole series. Um, but the first one was really good. I really enjoyed that, you know, and like I really wanted to see them keep going with that whole universe. I really want to see the Rhino. As goofy as that costume is, I want to see that costume realized on the big screen. I think it would be tremendous. So maybe they'll do another movie with it, you know. But like I, when he saved MJ at the end of the movie, that really, 
actually kind of brought a tear to my eye. You know, it choked me up a bit. I thought that was great. Just, and then see, you see Dopey Maguire in this movie. Just it bugged the heck out of me the entire time he's on the screen. Just because the first, the first time you ever saw, you know, Tobey Maguire be Spider-Man, that that original Sam Raimi Spider-Man, that that was great. But pretty much everything else past that just got just incrementally worse as it just came out. You know, but they, I will say. He was a lot more likable in this movie. They really seemed to find the right notes for Tobey Maguire to hit in this movie to make him mature. And you know, obviously, they kind of just danced around, figuratively danced around the uh, the whole third movie there. You know, because uh, you really wouldn't want to do it like they like they actually did in the movie. But it's just like, damn, you know, that, there's so many great scenes in this movie. It's so fun. My buddy Ned in this, you know, just gained his portal powers. That's kind of where I got the idea from, actually, because I saw that in the theater. I was like, maybe, maybe. You know, I went home and I just kind of clicked my heels together a couple times and thought some happy thoughts and started waving my arms and boom, here we are. Tim and I are hosting Films Unchained. Anyways, let's put Ace out of his misery and uh, we'll get back to it. Now to move on, we need to talk about the next topic of the film and that is the multiverse. To be honest, without the multiverse, this film would never happen. Hey, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I'm your host, Brian, and you guys aren't going to believe what just happened to me. The weirdest thing ever. So I was sitting here getting ready to record an episode, and this weird kind of fiery portal opened up beside me. I stepped through it, and here I am sitting in front of the mic for Films Unchained podcast. You know what, actually? It kind of reminds me of the portal in Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh man, I absolutely loved that film. It was so cool. And I'd been waiting for it for ages, so the anticipation levels were just overflowing by the time I got to see it. How cool was it to see all three Spider-Men in one go? I made a very conscious decision to avoid all spoilers. If anything even mentioned Spider-Man, I was not looking at it. I kind of knew that they were going to be in it, but I didn't want to... I suppose confirm it for myself but oh man it was great to see all of them however I think they went a little too far having the two originals as kind of the comedic relief if you know what I mean you know the kind of like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man seemed a bit like a dweeb I suppose and then Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man he seemed to be very in touch with his emotional side you know what I'd love to see next, actually? A Spider-Man film with all three of them in it, where they're both given equal opportunities to flesh out their Spider-Man. You know, so Toby is the exact same as he was back in the, the films years ago, and Andrew is the same as he was. That they're not being used just for laughs, you know? Because I think it kind of takes away from their legacy as Spider-Man a bit. But anyway, I better get back to my universe. Now I'd normally say keep rocking, but since this is Films Unchained, I guess I'll say keep watching. Okay, not so sure what happened here. Like, w where does my mic go? Seriously. Anyways, let's hope this doesn't happen again. About the multiverse. I guess it all started with Spider-Man Enter to the Spider-Verse. Because that was the pinnacle of all of this. 
different versions of sp the spider heroes from different time and dimension, including Spider-Pork. I love the multiverse. It is very cool, fun, scary, and uncertain. It cannot promise you anything. It could give you more than what you wish for, or not. So we have to follow the flow. It can play around with the story, characters, uh, present and future events. We just witnessed the crossover of MCU, Sony, and Netflix, such as witnessing and seeing Matt Murdock in the beginning of the film. To me, that was that was a shocking moment. Um, the three Peter Parkers at the same in the same movie, and Eddie Brock with Venom. The multiverse concept has become a trend since Doctor Strange, and it continued with Disney's Loki and What If. Also, without Doctor Strange, this would not take place and our childhood would not be revisited. So I guess I have to thank MCU and Doctor Strange. Boppity poo. Huh. That spell seems to have brought me back to the Films Unchained podcast again. Oh well. While Lace is talking here, I guess I might as well throw in my two cents. I'm Tim from the Good Times with Bad Movies podcast and I am happy to say that I thoroughly enjoyed watching this movie at my theater. I thought it was really cool seeing all three Spider-Man actors in this movie, especially Andrew Garfield, because I feel like he kind of got the worst deal of the actors in that he did a re he had a really great performance in his two movies. However, just the story and content wasn't that great. So it was really cool to see him get some redemption in that way, and also as his character of Peter Parker in the movie for um, saving. Mary Jane at the end for uh, Tom Holland, Peter Parker, uh, after, you know, his girlfriend died in the, I don't know, the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, what was her name? Tanya, Tanya Harding, now, uh, Felicity or Felicia, something like that. So I thought that was really cool for him. My biggest issue with this movie, and this seems to have happened at least once in each Spider-Man franchise, and that's the uh, writer's need or desire to throw in so many villains in one film. It happened in Spider-Man 3 with Venom, uh, Green Goblin, and Sandman. It happened in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Rhino, Goblin, and there's probably another one that I just can't remember off the top of my head. And in this one, I can't even, I'm not even going to bother listing off all the villains, but I feel like at least the, vi the Lizard and the Sandman really didn't need to be in this movie. And I thought... They didn't really look that great either, in my opinion. Like, this movie cost $200 million to, to make. I would expect the Sandman to look a little bit better than he did, as well as the Lizard, especially considering how awesome they made Electro look. Oh, I just remembered her name. It was Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Anyways, I thought this movie was really good. Definitely a lot of fun to watch. We didn't have any rhinos in robot suits or Peter Parker dancing down the street. They avoided most of the problems in the previous Spider-Man films, and I really like the uh, subdued Tobey Maguire. That's the way he should be, and I'm okay with that. Well, I guess I'd best get out of here before Mace notices that I've taken over. Find the words here. Hopefully I get it right this time. Okay, here we go. Glatu Verata Nick Nicta, I think. Oh no, I think I'm going to the Spider-Man 3 universe. No! So comments about the film. 
No Way Home really pulled the trigger when they killed off Aunt May, bringing the most emotional scene of the movie, as well as the turning point for Tom Holland's Peter. He lost Tony. He lost people's faith in Spider-Man because of Mysterio and how he basically made him as like the bad guy. And now he lost the one who meant the world to him. Bring back the quote with great power comes with great responsibility was a beautiful touch of the scene. At the same time, they gave more hatred to Green Goblin for Peter to get to the unwanted dark side. Willem Dafoe can still portray the same evil and manipulative and manipulative Green Goblin, maybe a bit more than the original portrayal in the first movie. Out of all the villains in the movie, Green Goblin scared me the most as a kid, and he was the least to deserve a second chance of life. And I really, really enjoyed when Peter beats the hell out of him, especially in the end. Defoe still pulls off the evil grin very well, and his smile is still, still very creepy. And I love the quote when he was uh, beating the hell out of him when Green Goblin says, too strong to have it all, too weak to take it. The quote of the movie. All right, come on, not now. No, no. Hi, mate. Hi, mate. How's it going? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Mate, it's good you're here. Oh, why is that? Obviously, you're a massive, massive Marvel fan. What were you feeling before then? Worried. Worried? Yes, I was a little bit worried. worried. So, uh, I was going in with expectations, as everybody else was, that certain people were going to turn up, i.e. the previous Spider-Men, with, you know, 20 years of history of Spider-Men movies, um, expecting them to all turn up and have an endgame-type moment where they kind of come together and, and team up. And I was thinking, it's just not going to happen, or we're going to get a brief cameo, it's just, despite you know, all of Andrew Garfield's uh, protestations that he isn't in it, kind of started to get to me, um, and and I believed it wasn't going to happen. And I was going to be disappointed, or that they were going to f it up and it was going to be really bad. Yeah. Um, and as you know, I went on opening night at midnight, and I was uh, a little bit blown away, mate. I didn't think they were going to be able to achieve what they actually achieved in the end, and. I said to you on this podcast uh, previously that I don't know where they're going to go from Endgame to to get that reaction from from me, myself, and from audiences around the world. They're, they're not going to be able to replicate that, and they already have just a few years later. Yeah, it was to be honest, right? It, I thought it was an absolute genius idea what they did there. So everyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm not like the biggest Marvel buff, but I like the odd movie here and there, especially the Spider-Man ones. So my expectations were I didn't have loads of expectations. That's because I was in the privileged position that there wasn't a lot riding on this film for me do you know what I mean if it had been bad it wouldn't have bothered me if it had been amazing that's good because I've just seen an amazing film luckily it was so I went in pretty chilled um I saw it about a month after everyone else because Christmas was so busy and I had the feeling that it was going to be good because all I was hearing was good stuff but you know luckily I avoided spoilers and um what I thought was going to happen happened um, a lot of things I didn't know were going to happen happened mm-hmm. which was really really cool so there was extra things you know that surprised me and the one thing I just got from it is that I know how much of a high Endgame was for all Marvel fans and the fact that they managed you know a few years later to not I wouldn't say top that but to do something just as exciting just as money making just as you know just as something to galvanise all the Marvel fans they should be absolutely commended and I, I'm going to say the same thing again now I don't know if they can top this I think they if to me it feels like it's peaked 
Yeah, well, we'll see. I've, I've heard rumours about what uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is going to be about. Okay. And, and, uh, if, I if, only think if Batman comes in, that's the only thing that will blow it out of the wall. <laughs> Batman <laughs> and Superman <laughs> coming. DC versus Marvel. Let's yeah. get it on. Yeah, but no, the Dark's got to do a yeah. proper battle. <laughs> but no, I, I think they did a cracking job with this film. They, they, a lot of elements came together. And it's the sort of movie, I reckon 10, 15 years ago, they would say, you can't do that. You, mm. you, do you mean, how many deals must have been signed to get all those people in that movie? It's mental and mind-boggling and brilliant it happened and although it was like the most spoke spoken about secret in in, in cinema <laughs> yeah. history no one knew for a fact and no. and it was all on the line like if we're going to all be very disappointed if these two guys and these enemies don't uh, don't turn up and i gotta say willem dafoe for me stole the show um he considering the fact that he hasn't played that role for a very long time he just came back and the de-aging was amazing as well and just absolutely owned it he was more scary than he was in the original films um, what he does um, to to motivate Peter is a massive um, pivot pivot moment in the film, and uh, the the Aunt May. Although I started to, to telegraph it um, throughout the film, I, I did not see it coming before I went into the film. The fact that she becomes the Uncle Ben yeah. of, of this Spider Man's world. Um, the Andrew Garfield payoff of, of saving MJ was incredible. Mm. Toby Maguire sticking to his no kills rule and, and stopping uh, Tom Holland killing someone. Um, I just think it all made an amazing, an amazing film that I did not expect. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was amazing. And that's coming from someone who's not, you know, fully invested in Marvel. I thought it was a cracking job. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, I doubt there's anyone listening to this who hadn't seen it. But if you haven't, go and watch this movie. It's, go and watch it's it. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we loved it didn't we and it became uh, number one in our top 25 movies of the year and as voted was, by yeah. all the audience it wasn't our number one I hasten to add no. it was what June wasn't it June yeah but still cracking movie and um, yeah I think you're going to have a blast chatting about it Ace on your podcast our listeners love it and I'm sure your listeners did too yeah. Ace uh, but yeah thanks for inviting us on I've got to pop off now so uh, see yeah you can I come with you in the portal mm, yeah come on then. please let's all go right, all right let's go see ya bye, bye. All right, seriously? I really had enough with this. The film did justice for The Amazing Spider-Man 2, very big time. They fixed Jamie Foxx's Electro, looking a million times better than the original portrayal in Garfield's sequel, where they really rushed the development of the villain and made him as a side villain, just so they can lead to Harry Osborn and his version of the Goblin. Plus, the original portrayal was a bootleg Jim Carrey's The Riddler in Batman Forever. And also we got to see, as I mentioned earlier, Andrew as Spider-Man. I enjoyed his version of the character, especially in No Way Home. We got to see how he's still heartbroken after losing Gwen. And it's tough for him to move on because he still carried the weight of not saving her before it was too late. And I mentioned earlier the scene where MJ fell off and Tom Holland couldn't save her. That was... I remember like everyone was like, no, no, no. But then when Andrew, uh, Andrew's version of uh, Peter Parker saved her, it was a great reaction from the audience because at least he saved MJ, giving him a sense of peace. We, all right, that's it. That's it. Norman, it's me. Wait, who's Norman? Hey, calm down. It's just Tim and Paul. We're just having some fun. I thought you guys were getting Kevin Feige to cast FPJ as Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> you believe that? We figured out how to go Rick and Morty and decided we'd steal your mic for a while. So no world's gonna explode? Oh, not anytime soon, I guess. Anyways, we should get going, Ace. Oh, you finally got my name right, huh? Oh, come on. We knew that all along. Bye, Chase.
I can't stand them. And that is a wrap for the season premiere of Films Unchained. Breaking down Spider-Man No Way Home. I can't wait when it supersedes Avatar the, uh, for the biggest box office of all time. For the love of cinema, please kick Avatar out of the box office throne. I hate Avatar. I, I hate it to death. So please remove it as the number one box office. This is shorter than I expected, but I'm still blown away by this film and continue to be in the long run. Um, as my little brother Buddy would say, the movie is so good. And to me, it is it has become the number one best Spider-Man of all time. Even though the, the story is not as, like for me, is not as good as like Spider-Man 2 or 1 or The Amazing Spider-Man 1. But it's it's the nostalgia. It is the reaction. It is the experience. I still loved it. I want to thank my brother, the Turtle King, my buddy himself for being part of this episode. It was nice having him. And I hope it isn't the last time he really enjoyed Spider-Man No Way Home and enjoys MCU uh, movies. I am going to have to thank or I guess like have to talk to the fellow podcasters from different podcast verse who took over this episode. Um, starting with the Infinite Film Club. Concerts that made us take 97. Really, David? Really? Come on. Take 97, a film podcast. And now I learned who. Good Times with Bad Movies podcast, Tim and Paul. I don't know how you did that. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoy this episode. And I can't wait to talk about more superhero movies which we will over time in the films unchained podcast where we just experience a podcast multiverse so see you next time in this podcast a place full of breakdowns movie analysis and film talks in the season two of films unchained podcast stay tuned